welcome to the Bites and Bites podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Memoranville. Thanks for joining us today. We've got a great episode lined up that's particularly close to my heart. We're taking a trip down memory lane as I reconnect with an old colleague and friend. I've had the pleasure of knowing Sabatha Wells for over a decade. We share many memories, laughs, and challenges while working together at a bakery company. It's truly a joy to have her here, and I'm sure you'll also enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Thanks so much for being on the show, Sabatha. It's great to reconnect after all these years. Could you please introduce yourself to our listeners who may not be familiar with you? Currently, Food Safety and Quality Director for Rise Baking Company, and I have the pleasure of supporting five separate plants and helping them uh, with food safety and quality, as well as helping to set the standards for all of our facilities. Previously, I've worked in regulatory for four years and uh, doing a lot of uh, food establishment inspections, hotels, childcare, and the glamorous, the ever glamorous on-site wastewater treatment system. And then I also had 10 years, um, I would say that's how, that's how I tell people, I grew up in operations, right? So I was a operations manager and supervisor. So that was kind of my work history, my, my career background. I come from a very small town in Kansas and I have a four-year-old and, and her dad fortunately still likes to hang out with me. So we're a small family, but the two giant dogs we have uh kind of round that out for sure yeah i definitely moved to the water treatment because i have a degree in environmental management and i've toured through water treatment facilities and have extreme respect for people who do that for a living like they see stuff that i'm not gonna tell anybody because they could be eating right now but it is definitely an interesting job but my favorite thing is they pump oxygen into the water for releases back into the stream for the fishes like the little fishies get oxygen i think that's the coolest thing ever Um, And I'm such a geek. Like, I think it's amazing. Anyways, thank you very much for being here uh, on the show. And um, just as an icebreaker, and I'm going to continue doing this for most guests, is can you uh, tell us what your favorite food is and your favorite food memory? They do not have to be the same thing. Right. Okay. My favorite food uh, kind of varies every day, but I have never, chocolate has never let me down. And so I'm, you know, I'm going to stick with chocolate, something simple. But in terms of food memories, because my entire life has been based on food. I literally grew up in agriculture, agricultural community. So, uh, you know, we were raising our own food, you know, from garden to uh, animals and so forth throughout my uh, childhood. And then uh, pretty early on in high school, I had become aware of food science. So I geared myself up from that from the very beginning, um, being a, a nerd who loves science that just went hand in hand with uh, my love of food. So in terms of uh, rate or memorable food experiences. Oh, golly. To just pick one. I think it would have to be when I made sourdough for the first time. Mm. Um, I was, it was summer and it was, I had, uh, I want to say 4-H camp to go to. And so I made that, started it before I left, come back, you know, six days later. And here's this, you know, this, this dough just, you know, trying to get out of this bowl because it's been expanding so much. And it's just, my mom was just fit to be tied because 
because she knew if she threw it out, I was going to have a fit, but she was ha- about to have a fit because it smelled so bad, you know, um, <laughs> so strongly, I should say, not necessarily bad, but strongly. And that was, I don't know, it was fun experimentation. And of course she loved the bread and which I got to work making as soon as I got home to get the smell out. Um, I didn't get to keep that starter. <laughs> but, yeah, no, that was, she's like, yeah, no way are you doing that again? But I did learn a lot from that uh, experience. So that was a good one. That's great. I love sourdough. It's like one of my favorite brands. So I for sure respect for people who would bake. Um, I think we've talked about this years and years ago since we worked at a bakery company together, but I'm a good cook. I'm not a good baker because I'm not about that measurement life. I don't like doing that. I like to be able to put in what I want, what I want and not be told what I have to do. And I'm sure some people are listening on this. They're like, yeah, that's Kristen to a T. <laughs> so anyways, that's great. So can you tell me a bit about your journey into food protection and food quality? And I'm going to use all these terms. I'm sorry, food people. Um, I take food protection and just blanket it a lot. Um, I had somebody, a good friend of mine who will not be named, who barked at me one day of just saying food protection instead of food defense, safety and security all in one. Can you tell me a little bit about your journey into food protection within the food industry and what sparked your interest to go that route since we already know you kind of had this assorted past? Sure, absolutely. So I would say uh, in terms of food protection, so as I had indicated, I have a food science degree. You know, you get a a taste for it in school. You don't really, uh, you know, you think you know all these things and then you go to work and you realize you don't know squat. And, uh, you know, it's one of those fake it till you make it situations, right? Mm -hmm. And so being in operations, I had a very different look at the food defense and food protection than say I do now in working directly in food safety and quality. One of the things that we have to do uh, or that, that operations do is conduct uh, food safety or food defense tests, right? You need to test your process or your program. And so my boss, uh, just very cleverly, he was the plant manager of a plant um, that had 450 uh, associates working at this site. And myself and another uh, supervisor, we were all the, that is there on night shift, right? So mm-hmm. again, not knowing squat, not knowing and being responsible for all this equipment and people. I took it very, very seriously. I fake it till I make it mode. So I had, I had the, the bravado, you know, to um, pretend that was up. As they say, the moxie, you have the moxie to do it. There you go. <laughs> so uh, he arranges for this local cop to come in around uh, midnight, one o'clock and just walk into the plant. And uh, of course, you know, the associates we're working with, they, you know, get my attention immediately and point to this guy that just walked in off the floor. And I went into mama bear mode. Like you're not, this is mine. These are my people, I must protect them. And this guy got shoved right out the door. Yeah, he did. And then I called the plant manager and I told him about it because the, the guy is like, hey, don't be so rough. I I was asked to be here. And I'm like, no way, you know, they nobody would do that. As, you know, so sure enough, I call my boss and, and he's like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, that was my first run in there with food security, I guess, in a real sense, you know, participating in that kind of event. So <laughs> it's interesting because as a security professional, I was thinking about how this gentleman socially engineered his way in, if you will, if he was a bad actor or not, granted he had permission, but again that needs to be communicated, otherwise what happened happened, as it roughly should how people shouldn't let just anybody into a facility. On a personal note, I did have the privilege of going through different factories in Japan years ago, and there's such a trusting culture that I did my sign in at the beginning, and then nobody stopped me when I walked into the facility, so I'm just like that situation where you just kind of get all the way into the production line, 
And, and all of a sudden people that were in like the clean room area were like, wait, what? And then all of a sudden it was like this eruption of like hands and, and, and yelling and languages. I didn't know and what was happening, but I, I didn't do it. I didn't think I did anything wrong. And that cop probably felt the same way. Oh, so it's, absolutely. Really, it, it's, it's really, it's really interesting. interesting. Well, it's really interesting because it kind of butts up against what we do in cybersecurity automatically because you're already trying to control the physical security of the situation rather than, uh, you know, objectively just letting people do whatever they want. Like, oh yeah, go ahead. Feel free to stick your finger into that. It's cool. Like, we don't mind. Uh, jump in if you feel like it, you know, <laughs> like take a swim. It's fine. So I think that already within three seconds of talking to you, we've already got commonality right there. <laughs> uh, speaking of collaboration, in your experience, have you seen the, the world of food and cybersecurity intersect? And we just named something. But when we were talking earlier, you were saying that the world has gone so digital that you already see that anyway. So I'll let you elaborate. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, nothing is accomplished without a computer. Every every system, be that uh, operations management, evaluation records, inventory records, block stock, every aspect of a food of the food business is interacting electronically. Now, I'm sure there are those smaller exempt operations that won't have that same experience, um, but those are going to be very small and have a much smaller impact on the human population at large. When you talk about an organization um, such as some of them that I've worked in with cheese and yogurt and now with bakery products, these are large organizations touching a you know millions of people throughout a year, right? So it is extremely important that we have a great sense of security around formulations, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one piece of it, but there's, you know, the data is someone to mess with the information regarding block stock uh, could be the difference between uh, releasing some product that was just out of spec for color versus uh, something was out of spec for micro results. So, I mean, it could have a significant impact to um, not maintain the data. And then, of course, there are the traceability aspects of it um, when you get into uh, regulatory requirements and, and um, you know, in the event of something like that. So if, if that was to happen where micro was something that was negatively impacted by micro uh, results, the outcome was negative and it got released. If you're not able to trace that effectively, where did it go? Uh, where did it ship? And you don't have that information readily available through your system. Software. Yeah. 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 Then you're sunk, right? You can't answer to the FDA and, and you can't be precise in what exactly you need to, re- to be re- withdrawing or recalling and therefore you put yourself in a position to have to do everything. So it becomes, I mean, it's it's very much a business requirement for food protection, right? If we're not protecting food because we, we ingest food, right? And and it's the business of food manufacturing is definitely securing and, and protecting the food. Yeah, and I was thinking while you were talking too that, oh my goodness, imagine if some bad actor wanted to go in and mess with the formulas and you didn't know because they looked right. right. That's where Al that you're exactly right. Or even just the labeling, right? If if uh, our labeling systems, all of we print all of our labels, you know, at the production sites. So if that gets out of line, we're releasing product that uh, doesn't have all of the correct information on it, for example. We could definitely endanger the lives of those who are allergic to anything from wheat, milk, egg, and soy to, you know, tree nuts 
and and sulfites. So it's it's extremely important that our data systems and security are fully intact. It's pretty scary to think that printers are paramount to the industry when printers are like the bane of cybersecurity. They're such jerks. I uh, remember being inside the factories and the uh, zebra or zebra for those on the other side of the world. Printers, you remember yeah, those oh, things are such a beast, but they're also beasty because they're ginormous and huge and hard to move. Yes. So there's actually like a physical danger in shifting them around. So once they're in place inside of a production operations environment, they're not really going to go anywhere. Uh, they're going to stay where they are and they are critical. And I often wonder how many people in, you know, an executive suite or even a cybersecurity team or IT realize how important those particular printers are. They literally will affect production on a high level. I do remember when they went down in one facility I was working at, we uh, ended up having to handwrite them. Oh. It was a mess. It was an absolute mess. Oh, wow. It was, And because the trucks were waiting, we didn't have time. And you know how the trucks are. They don't wait. They got to pick up their stuff and go. This is These are company trucks necessarily. These are contractors. So they're on a time schedule and we're interrupting that as well. So there's this whole supply chain effect just from freaking printers. <laughs> like, it's just crazy. Yes. Um, and I, I think that that is a challenge inside of the industry in general, the food industry in general, is these little like small silos that were in different aspects of the food company that are, if one goes, it's a domino effect. One goes down, they're all going down at the same time, if not very shortly after. And it's not just from the formula. It's, it's like they said, the printers and moving forward since we're going to more of this digital transformation. So I think those challenges are really important to note. Um, is there any specific challenges that you can think of that you've noticed as companies have digitally transformed? I know there's a lot of thoughts and feelings on how the transformation happens. Obviously, um, I have my own personal view on that as well. However, for your side of the house, what has been challenging? I think you, you brought up a point, just getting people to understand that um, that the uh, food defense and food protection includes far more than just your doors, right? And, and this is a much broader spectrum. And then, you know, from inspections and, and information that we keep about, because if we're not looking, right, and when we're talking about food protection, it's one of the most critical things that our teams and plants do is conduct an internal audits. It is would be great if everyone was was policing themselves and everyone remembered every rule all of the time. It would be amazing. However, Indeed. we remain humans at the end of the day and we do make mistakes and we do forget things. And so that's why internal audits become very important. But that's the kind of information you don't need someone having access to for your facility. So getting folks to understand that all of the software, all of the uh, and hardware, the, every we interact with that requires a network is ex- must be secured. Um, a sample of, of one of the challenges uh, that I encountered was around uh, tablets and trying to get tablets set up so we could use them in for internal audits. And so, um, you know, I went through the due diligence with our online auditing tool to ensure it was secure and had that approved by our IT team. But then it came to these tablets and we weren't even going to put cellular networks on it. It was just going to Wi-Fi and we were only going to put certain uh, downloads, you know, and and this is a tool from Safety Culture called Mm iAuditor. But we were going to have, that was going to be the only thing you could download, um, could use the camera. And it was such a trick to get folks to buy in to this limited use as a matter of food protection. They wanted it open. They wanted to be able to use it in all the ways you would typically use a tablet. 
Hamlet, which so it wasn't I'm cringing. So much, I'm cringing. <laughs> yes. So it wasn't so much. Um, IT was obviously able to do this, right? This is something that they can handle. Um, but it was the communication and the uh, com- convincing or educating others about how these tools be used effectively, uh, properly to insert, in, ensure security that uh, became the the largest challenge. I mean, we got there, uh, but it it did take a, quite a bit of information. And in the end, we didn't move forward with the program. We found that um, it was easier to have folks download the information directly to their personal phones. And then they were, <laughs> fortunately, the, the software itself uh, was secure. So that's the only, unfortunately, folks, you can't see my face, but I definitely looked like I was about to jump out my window. So um, yeah, yeah. No, I felt the same way. Oh God. That is, that defeats the purpose, right? It doesn't keep it secure if you're using someone's phone or their personal phone. Again, I talk about this all the time. You never know what's on a Wi-Fi. You don't know what 15 year old is looking at what anywhere. Um, you don't know what's on those phones. Um, a data connection is a little bit better than a Wi-Fi connection, but if you're going to be in a facility that is at large, Wi-Fi will have to be enabled. So we don't want personal phones on the Wi-Fi. So there's just sort of this tumble effect of ultimately the tablets were the more secure option and the time wasted of trying to get it done. That is no, it was years. This process took years. And in the end, yeah. So it, that, in the, yeah, in the end, it, it, I shouldn't say it worked, didn't work out. It didn't work. And then we still, still made the same uh, decisions, even after folks understood what the risks were. So see, that's, that's such an example of real world issues that are happening. It's not this theoretical situation. We're actually dealing with this in real time. And I think uh, in my opinion, I, if there was a, a security leader that could have partnered with the, the project in a change management capacity, uh, that probably would have been more successful to be like, okay, here's the, here's the strategy. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to allow it to be online for this amount of time and not cut it off. There's plenty of ways you can do access control with devices. And that's really frustrating to hear that even at the end of it, after all that time, kind of dotted out. And then there was some insecure behaviors, if you will, at the end. That's so frustrating and such an avoidable moment. And this is why we're having these conversations because ultimately at the end of it, we want everybody's food to be safe and secure to the point where we can't be having tablets and people's phones on the network unless there's a conversation around it and education, like you said. And you said it so many times now that I hope everybody's getting it. Awareness and education are key to sustainable food supply, safe supply, as well as security. It's it's just going to be the conversation over and over again. I feel like we're constantly on the hamster wheel with it. Like, I please use common sense. Please, please be educated. Please be aware. Please be curious. Please do all these things. It's not just done to annoy people or make their job difficult. It's because I don't, and I know you echo this, I don't want my family to eat unsafe food. And I don't want to live in a world where the formula has been tampered with and we don't know until it's already gone. Listeners, we're taking a short break, just enough time to stretch, breathe, or grab a cup of coffee. We truly hope you're enjoying the episode so far. And we're back. Let's dive right back into this episode. How do you envision the future of cybersecurity within the food industry? And are there any emerging trends or technologies we should be aware of that are currently, you know, hot button topics or, you know, new things? Well, in terms of what's currently going on and, and looking to the future, it, it will just get become more and more necessary. And, um, you know, the uh, entities that wish to infiltrate, you know, these types of businesses for their own gain, it, it, they get stronger, they get smarter. And if we're not moving 
moving ahead of that, uh, then you fall behind and you fall victim um, to that. And there's some good examples out in the industry of that that we can talk about. So um, there have been some significant data breaches. I think uh, we'll all remember Civ Atlanta. Uh, anyway, there was a ransomware situation where they wanted so much money and, and people couldn't pay their water bills. People couldn't. I mean, it was just insane. And how much I mean, you think about water and how we are affected by water. I mean, in most uh, of our, I think all of our facilities, um, 15 within the current organization use a public water source, right? Mm-hmm. So you've got a direct link, just, you know, at basic government levels to a need for cybersecurity. And then beyond that, um, you know, with the, the data and the information, you know, associated with operation itself. The tax out on a government body, whether it's state, local, or federal, are right. far-reaching consequences. You probably don't even think about because they just are part of the normal routine that we just deal with here. And ransomware is so nasty. It is plaguing the food industry more so than other industries in the last two, three years. JBS, Dual Package Lettuce, there's right. a few others. Yes. It is literally the question I get the most when I'm speaking with food professionals is, what do I do if I have a ransomware that hits my screen? And then it dawned on me that we really have done a disservice in the cybersecurity community of not educating people how to handle it in the moment. Sure, you go through like your security awareness trainings and all the um, compliance-based things, but there's never any practicality to the training of what do I actually do? We have fire safety training from when we're like birthed, right? To know exactly what to do in a fire. Stop, drop, roll. We all know that in whatever language or country you come from, it's similar. And the fact that we haven't done that yet inside of cybersecurity, at least in the food industry, is really scary to me. And I'm like on this mission now. Like it's like a total moment for me to get that on board with people because I don't want you to be sitting at your computer someday and you have a ransomware and you don't, and you panic. And, and then the shame hits because you might've done something wrong, which you probably didn't. Or if you did, then we moved past it. It's just like a spill on the floor. Get a mop, let's clean it up. And that's, that's the real stress when it comes to dealing with an industry that is so vital to humanity. You know, water and food are paramount. We can survive without oil and gas and energy in general. We could go back to the days when we rub sticks together in a cave. Um, if we had to, nobody's going to want to do that, but I'm saying we could if we had to, but we can't live without food or water. So it's it's really one of those things where, again, we have to make sure, going back to the education and awareness piece, how important it is to constantly drive those things home. And I think you're so right because as we get more digital, we're going to have to have these more candid conversations of, hey, if your ransomware does pop on your screen, like these are the four steps you're going to take. I'm not going to get into that right now because this is about you and not no, about that. that is, really good point about having that next step, right? I think that's critical. And I have another example uh, from a third-party warehousing organization that um, we've utilized throughout the network. It is they recently had a, a breach and fortunately they their security was able to, to stop the breach, but it literally took down their entire system. They were dead in the water. They could do nothing. They couldn't create a bill of lading. They couldn't print a bill of lading. They couldn't pick. They didn't have access. Their scanners wouldn't work. Literally nothing in their organization was functioning to allow them to move forward. It was, uh, what I say, nine days of being unable to to operate. Now, eventually, I shouldn't say that they got some things figured out, right? And there was some 
things you can do manually. And so there were prioritizing uh, what needed to ship and what customers got preference and things like that. There were some uh, some shipments going out, uh, but they weren't doing it by, you know, with their electronic uh, system, right? They weren't doing it with their uh, their ERP. So I think it's uh, another example of, of having that crisis management, right? It's, it's you know, cybersecurity is where we start, but then from there, what, what comes next? What are the next steps? And then, of course, as you pointed out earlier, educate folks about what those are so they understand what they need to do next because, uh, you know, just stopping it is great, but it isn't enough if you want to c- continue to conduct business. And um, based off of what I have learned in years uh, I've been working in uh, this career is that they all we all want to continue our business. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like what we're doing. So, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But I think also um, you'd ask about what's to come. And I think it's one of the things that is uh, been really a big part of any any of the organizations that use FDA or regulated um, under the Food and Drug Administration. Um, they will have heard about uh, the <laughs> new era of smarter food safety blueprint. Uh, oh, yeah. That's four components of tech-enabled traceability, smarter tools and approaches for prevention and outbreak response, business models and retail modernization, and then food safety culture. And every single portion of that requires technology and security for that technology. I mean, even reporting a recall now, it's done online. Yeah. Uh, reporting a food, reporting foodborne illness is all done online. So all of these things require security to, to be in place to protect the names of individuals or in some cases, customers. Oh yeah, for sure. I, you know, privacy is going to be a big thing within food. I'm not a privacy expert. I cannot speak to that. However, I do know that it will be a big portion of it moving forward, especially with everything you mentioned. And I love that one of the components of that is food safety culture, because I'm a huge advocate for inserting cybersecurity into food protection culture. It just makes sense. It just makes sense based on everything we've been talking about today that we could incorporate those two worlds together as much as possible. We're ultimately fighting the same things just in different spaces, right? It's not, it's, it's not, it doesn't take a rock science just to draw this conclusion and, and the dots together. I really want to hear about a particular project or experience that really stands out in your career. And this is kind of selfish because like we've worked together. So I, I obviously know how you work and how you are. Been in the factory that you've been in, I've had the food that was there. And um, just wondering like what about your job makes you go back to your job and that personal experience that's kind of wraps into it. Oh, wow. Well, I guess um, it's all, you know, we, we try not to take things personally in our jobs, right? I mean, but but there are um, personal aspects of your job. You're doing it for a reason. You're doing it to support the rest of your life, which is very personal to you. And and we we create these relationships and friendships and bonds with people. And, um, you know, that uh, naive, fresh out of college um, person who was shoving an off-duty police officer out of her building, (laughs) Um, you know, I'm still, I'm the same person in terms of how much I care for the people who I am responsible for. And so um, beyond that, you know, I've, I've come to realize it's not just the people in that facility. It's important that we, we help protect them because this is their job, right? If we have cybersecurity breaches, that could definitely impact them having a job. The other piece is, of course, the, as consumers, right? We're, we are creating something that people literally ingest into their bodies. I mean, it doesn't get more personal than that, right? 
from my, you know, the creation of my hands into your mouth to nourish your body. It is about as personal as it can get. And if you, if we don't have those food safety protections in place that include cybersecurity, those people become vulnerable and you put them at risk, whether that be from uh, a micro perspective, an ingredient allergen perspective, there's uh, a lot of different ways that that, that, you know, directly impact a consumer. So yeah, it's, it's personal. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I, and I just realized, um, digging up memories of past, I believe I actually was in the factory with you and I know I was there for a project and I remember some, I think it might've been you an offhand comment, uh, that said, you have to remember the food is about a lot of things. It's about celebrating. It's about wishing a loved one goodbye. It's about a lot of things. We celebrate everything with food. And I believe you said something to them, in fact, because we were talking about something to do with this back in the day. And it really struck me and it, it like hit me over the head with a frying pan almost like, oh my goodness. Like I have, my job is, my job was important because it paid my rent and it kept me fed, right? But we were actually feeding people and right. providing the ability to celebrate, say goodbye, all the things. And it just struck me as such a, it became personal in that moment, like really personal. And it was really kind of neat. I remember because I was probably a, like a muffin or something sitting in front of me um, at the time that I was probably devouring. <laughs> but I just remember that that kind of candid conversation that was off cut but it didn't have anything to do with anything we were working on. And um, and it was such an honor at that point to serve the community I was with. And it still is to this day, even if I walked into a lab or if I walked on the production floor or even if I was hanging out in the office area, it was everybody was on the same mission, good quality food that was safe for people to ingest. Um, and, and it's the same with cybersecurity in a way, yeah. especially if you're a cybersecurity professional in the food industry, you understand right. that what you do is the same mantra, the same rhythm. And I think that we need, especially as a security community, because it can be quite daunting because we are constantly in a, a flight or fight kind of mode, unfortunately. Um, I think that a lot of times we lose perspective of why we serve what we serve and how we do it. And I think, and I'm grateful that I, I work within the food industry and I'm grateful for the people that I interact with, such as yourself, because you remind me and you keep me humble that this is what I do. I do for the greater good. Um, and if anybody else just echo greater good, you're my friend. Anyways, but um, as we wrap up this again, thank you so much for being here. And I, I really enjoy this conversation. There's always something to new to learn and or remember. And that's so beautiful. But as we close up, is there any final thoughts that you want to say to the food industry or cybersecurity or anybody else that is just kind of an echoing of the conversation or anything that you just feel passionate, you got to get out, go for it. I would say that it's probably that I, I don't know what I don't know. And I don't know how to actually secure our cyber network, right? That's why we need professionals. We need people who know how to do that and how to do that in a way that protects not only consumers, but the business itself. And so I, I'm just grateful that you were a part of our team when we were, when we were implementing SAP and what a um, cluster, a giant job that was. <laughs> a cluster would be, um, yeah, that'd be generous. But <laughs> it was a time that, um, you know, you came to appreciate what our, our IT teams were doing. I mean, it was so many different levels of, of chaos and work just hours and hours and weekends, nights, weekends. And I, don't, I just don't think I truly appreciated um, the the time that was required to, to maintain and to take care of, of that business. 
business. Um, so I think it's it's something to, you know, I would say like maybe sanitation is one of the most important jobs in our food production facilities. And then definitely I would say, you know, close to that would be IT and cybersecurity because it affects everything and including sanitation, right? So you can't uh, effectively do one without the other. I think, I think the thing that I, I adore about the food industry as well is it's a community. It really is a community. And just as you said before with the off-duty cop, no, he's out. Like he's not part of this. Like get him out. Like it's, it's not going to happen. And I just want to take a moment to say thank you for welcoming me whenever I was there. Even if I showed up the day after they bombed for, you know, uh, flower mites or whatever the hell they were called. And, and I was wondering if I was going to be, you know, turning into the next Marvel superhero because I was in a building that had like nuclear material. Oh, I remember that. Anyways, I feel like it was some conspiracy. I was being hazed. Um, but thank you for always welcoming me. And the community in general has always been super welcoming. They're welcoming until they're not, right? Like you, you really have to screw up to be kicked out ultimately. And I think a lot of the professionals that come in and out third party, uh, whether it's cybersecurity or any other type of third party, needs to recognize that there is a hierarchical place in that community and you have to respect it. Thank you. Thank you for what you do to help secure our food systems. And I really appreciated catching up with you a bit uh, and helping you with this great project. I'm so glad that you're doing this. It's, it's great to continue that push and getting that education information out there. Yeah, thank you. Definitely. And that wraps up today's episode. Heartfelt thank you to each and every one of you for tuning in. If you found value in today's episode, really appreciate it if you could take a moment and like, comment, and share with your friends and colleagues. Your support helps the community grow, and I definitely value your engagement with it and also this important mission. Once again, thanks for listening. We can't wait to bring you on another insightful episode soon. Until then, stay safe, stay curious, and we'll see you on the next episode. Have a great day.